The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Reverend Galen McDowell, and I'm the Executive Minister, Senior Assistant Minister, and the Director of the Johnny Coleman Institute at Christ Universal Temple. Today I have a special guest, a powerful, powerful spiritual being and a brother who is doing great work in the world. As I said to you uh, last week and weeks prior to that, I'm going to be bringing on some different guests that I feel as though are doing great work in the world and helping to spread the message of oneness and wholeness that the New Thought um, Ministries espouse or people who may not necessarily be directly in the New Thought uh, movement, but they're doing such great work in the world in ministry or in the self-help or human potential movements that I want to make sure that that you're exposed to their work. So today I have the Bishop Dr. Daryl Hulley, the presiding bishop of the Church of the Everlasting Kingdom as my guest today. He's doing great work in the world. I've just will also say he just recently spoke at Christ Universal Temple on a Sunday morning and he tore the house down talking about oneness. So uh, first of all, uh, Bishop Pulley, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So glad to be here, Reverend Galen. So uh, before we get started, I want people, first of all, to know uh, what your ministry is. And before we get into our topic, and our topic today is, as you know, a bridge to new thought and what that looks like, your own journey, and most importantly, why is it important? So let's just talk about, first of all, you know, who you are and your organization. All right. I am the presiding prelate or presiding bishop of the Church of the Everlasting Kingdom. It's a network of local assemblies, uh, ministries, businesses, networks, alliances, and organizations who pray, preach, and practice kingdom principles. Uh, We're throughout the United States, and we recently extended internationally uh, with Nigeria, where we have a church in Benin City, uh, Nigeria. Beautiful, beautiful. So, you know, in talking about a bridge to new thought, um, you actually walked that bridge for yourself and actually created one after you walked your own. Can you Absolutely. talk a little bit about your own walk into the New Thought movement and and 
why your soul might have required that journey? Well, um, I'll go back a little bit. I started preaching at the age of seven. Um, so I've been preaching for over 46 years. Um, I started pastoring at 19 uh, and uh, was like 27. And I kind of tapped out with the traditional church, um, f- sensing and feeling that there was something more, something else beyond just going to church and going out to eat and <laughs> just a regular day to day. I just felt like something was missing. There was something more. And so I was uh, pastoring a church in D.C. called Faith Temple. And um, there was a, a young lady who was moving to Atlanta, Georgia. And she said, the Holy Spirit has showed, showed me, showed her me in a dream and that I was to pastor her church in Baltimore. I was not really interested in that opportunity at the time. I was already pastoring in D.C., uh, but I just felt guided to consider what it was that she was saying and to pray about it. And I did. Um, and I didn't get a yes or a no, but to just to keep the conversation going. And so um, she eventually showed me how it could work out with the service times and Bible studies and meetings for me to be able to do it. And I said, OK, I'm open to it. I'll give it a try. I'll see how it goes. Um, and so before she left for Atlanta, her name was Bishop Stephanie Williams. She gave me these books and she said, now, my church is a little different. Whatever you're preaching, whatever you're teaching, it must be in alignment with these books. And so the six books that she gave me was the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary, The Revealing Word, Lessons in Truth, Alternatives, um, New Thought Christian, and 12 Powers, How to Use Your 12 Powers from God. And that was my introduction to New Thought. And she moved to Atlanta <laughs> and left me with these six books. So I was kind of self-taught New Thought. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was just, just amazed and engaged by what I was reading in these books. And it really resonated with me uh, at the time. So I could go on and on, but you, yeah. you tell me. No, no, no. I think that's wonderful. So as you started to walk that bridge, what made you make the decision once you encountered the information to say, you know what? Uh, I've been preaching since I was seven, pastoring since I was 19. What made you say, uh, I'm going to make this jump and this faith jump into, at least in your in your ministerial world, was a new unknown world? Yeah, what what it was, it was just very intriguing. It was very fascinating. It was like, It gave me a new look at scripture and I felt like there was somebody else. I was like, I can't be the only one that's preaching. I didn't know no new thought churches. So I came across Reverend Ann Jefferson and One God, One Thought in Baltimore. Wasn't quite fully ready to totally immerse. Um, I came to a POT um, in uh, Orlando, met Johnny Coleman and Barry Tumpkin and still wasn't quite ready. Um, and so as I continued to progress and started teaching these books and all, uh, the Reverend Dr. Mary Tompkin, she invited me to be a part of the ministerial program because from my background, we tithe, you know, and so I was sending tithes to Mary and she was like, well, who is this person that keeps sending me all this money? You know, <laughs> Donisha, Donisha. Reverend Murray, uh, we talked and she became my spiritual teacher, spiritual mom. And she just worked with me every week. And she was like, you need to get into 
uh, the Johnny Coleman Theological Seminary. I know that you've learned some things, preached some things, but you need a formal seminary education um, as it relates to New Thought. And so the big leap of me fully embracing New Thought as opposed to just kind of peppering it in and sprinkling here and a little bit there and there was really the Reverend uh, Dr. Mary Tompkin who really invited me and her nurturing and answering all of my crazy questions um, really is what brought me um, to, to do it full time. Well, that, that's wonderful. One of the things I do know is this. Anybody that wanted to ask Dr. Mary Tumpkin a question about the Bible was going to get a full course that was equivalent to going to Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I loved it. And we created a special bond. We talked every week. She answered my questions, and she really encouraged me to get a formalized education in, in New Thought. And so I engaged in the uh, previously ordained program uh, for the Johnny Coleman Theological Seminary, and it kind of went from there. All right, beautiful, beautiful. So the journey that you took, you're helping people take. And before we get to the specifics of how you're helping people or walk a bridge between, I would say, fundamentalist conservative Christianity to New Thought Christianity, because you know, all new thought doesn't view itself as Christianity. I know UFBL does uh, as a brand of Christianity, as a metaphysical Christianity. But why do you think it's important in the in the context, not just first in the Christian context, and then maybe in a more wider religious context? Why is this new thought branch important? We'll just start there with the Christian in the Christian world. Um. I think it takes people from, you know, I talk about people going from colostrum, uh, uh, which is the first milk that comes out the breast, to um, milk, to a little milk and cereal, you know, to solid foods parade, to, to meat. And I really consider metaphysical teaching to be meat. And as okay. you keep growing and expanding in your walk with God, in your, um, journey, you get to the point where you need meat. You need strong meat. Uh, Paul talks about that in one of his epistles. He says um, that you've had milk long enough. It's time to eat the strong meat. And so I feel like as we grow, if we don't get to that place where we can get that strong meat, a deeper meaning, uh, metaphysical to me means beyond the surface, that there's a deeper meaning uh, to whatever scripture it is that you're reading. And not only that, but there's a deeper meaning to whatever's going on in your life, that mm -hmm. there are thoughts and beliefs and ideas and words that are causing whatever is standing in your life to exist. So I believe in the metaphysics of the scripture. I also believe in the metaphysics of life. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, it's funny, as you were saying that, I was thinking about uh, something that Reverend Coleman used to say often to her congregation. She would say, I'm going to put everything on the plate and you get to decide how much you want to take yes. off the plate to eat. Yes. Uh, she used to often tell people and the congregation that when she started uh, her ministry, I, after she graduated from the unity school of practical Christianity, as it was called back then, mm -hmm. that uh, many of the leaders didn't like that she taught the 12 powers of man to the general population. She was like, this is not for the sermons. This is for the classes. After you get to a certain point, 
And she would say to the congregation, she told them, who am I to say who's ready and who's not? I don't know what's going on in their soul. My job is to present what God is telling me to present. And they mm-hmm. can leave what they can't handle and they can pick up what they can handle. And it, it just, you know, I I can see that in your preaching style on Sunday. Because that was the first time I actually saw you li- uh, live, mm-hmm. you know, that is like, okay, I'm going to put it on the table. <laughs> put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> I will put it on the table. I'm not going to try to, uh, you know, drip it. You know, there's such things as digestible bits. And I get this. We don't want to be so heavenly with no earthly good. But from the standpoint of people don't have time to play around with sugarcoating a message. Absolutely. Give it to them the way that, uh, that it, it, as pure as possible. And let them pray and wrestle with it until they can get their own understanding. So I don't know. I don't know if that's your intention. So let me ask you: Is that your intention when you when you pray? Yes. And um, before I became a full time minister, I was an educator, um, assistant principal of a high school, and um, a teacher, and you know, working through the ranks of education. And one of the things that I taught my faculty is that you don't just teach to your C students. Yeah. You got to teach to your B students, your A students, your overachievers, and the students will, you know, take as much as they can take. But you can't just teach to one segment of your class. You got to teach the whole class and let people um, digest it and review it and synthesize it as they can. But you got to teach to the whole class and not just one segment. And so our audiences are diverse. And people mm-hmm. are hungry. You know, I believe that people are hungry for deep. When you've been in church for a long time. So um, our brand of new thought is called kingdom. You know, so kingdom is a particular brand of new thought that I've branded where we believe that people come out of the world, which is a consciousness through the church, which is another dimension of consciousness and then into the kingdom. And so that the world is that system, that form of government, that way of being, seeing, thinking, speaking, and behaving that attempts to exclude God. The church is that way of being, seeing, thinking, speaking, and behaving where God is included, a part of. But kingdom is that uh, consciousness, that way of being, seeing, thinking, speaking, where God is the center of every aspect of your life. And that this kingdom teaching, Jesus said, behold, the kingdom of God is within you. It is the idea that everything that you need and desire is already inside of you and that you can bring it out into expression, demonstration, fruition, manifestation, whatever word you use. But everything is already inside of you. You don't need anybody to teach you anything. It's not in a book. It's not in a conference. It's not an affiliation. It's not everything you need is inside of you. What these spiritual teachers and events and experiences do is pull out what is already within. And that was one of the things that attracted me to uh, UFBL is that in that doctrinal statement, it had the word kingdom in there three times. And so I felt like that that was uh, indication that I'm in the right place, it's the right path. I don't know how much UFBL focuses on that or teaches that, but in the doctrinal statement, it was there three times. And that's kind of what pulled me in and hooked me in is this idea of kingdom. And that's the word 
that's the basis that I use to help bridge that uh, traditional, as I call them, traditional Christians into becoming metaphysical or new thought Christians is that word kingdom, because that's what Jesus taught. Kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like that. And so that kingdom, internal kingdom within, opens the idea that, hey, it's inside of me. It's not in, a, in the cloud. I ain't got to look over here and go around there, but it's inside of me. And that opens the door for metaphysical, spiritual practices such as meditation. Because if it's in there, how do I get it out? Right. <laughs> you know, it's through the meditations, through stillness and silence and mindfulness and breathing that we're able to bring out what is already within. And so that's the brand because kingdom is in the Bible. People, you know, that are traditional Christians, well, that is in the Bible. You know, <laughs> so it's easy for me to talk to them about it when yeah. I'm talking about a concept that's already in scripture. No, no, I love it. And, you know, when I don't, I, I, <laughs> I was only a couple of years old when that statement was written by Reverend Coleman's um, husband, the Reverend Don Ned, who, who had the UFBO church, who led the UFBO church in New York, in Brooklyn at that time. Um, but I, I, it was one of the things that I noticed right off the bat too. Uh, and it was like, oh, okay. Because the language was, was necessary to help people bridge the gap. I can remember when I, uh, maybe within the first year or so of me being at Christ Universal Temple, uh, the, the, which I told you when we had lunch, you know, I, I, you know, I have a seriously sanctified grandmama. So, (laughs) You know, playing the baby grand piano in the morning, you know, singing, you know, uh, you know, his eyes on the sparrow. So Reverend Coleman had a lesson sermon series. And when I showed up and she started teaching the series on the bulletin, I opened up the bulletin and it said, you are to be equal with Jesus. And something that 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 old school sanctified Christian doctrine that was in me. I mean, I, I think I literally skipped the breath. Like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. We are to be equal with Jesus. Like, what? And it, 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 like, my brain just started playing with it. Like, okay, you know, I've been in it for, you know, a certain amount of time. I had even received, at that point, had a spiritual healing from asthma. And still, it was a root mm-hmm. that was within me that seeing that new thought Christianity that much in our faith, and, and her position when she was teaching it is, Jesus taught the kingdom of God is in you, the Christ is in you, the power is in you, just like you said, Absolutely. et cetera, et cetera. And this is why I can say this. Absolutely. And, you know, and eventually, you know, I got over it <laughs> really quickly, but it was just you know, I think watching reactions, watching our reactions is a clear way of seeing what beliefs are still hiding in the midst of the subconscious mind that when triggered properly can pull up some of the old stuff that's that's sometimes not even, what's the word I want to use? It's not even clear to us. It's not something that is going through any level of uh uh, inspection, like, oh, why do I believe this? Mm-hmm. Do I still believe this? It's just lingering and hanging out. Do you see that yeah, that, so like, that happens with when you're teaching? Yeah, so like the, the, term, 
I was really attracted to Fillmore's term way show. Yeah. As it relates to Jesus, Jesus being our example of what it means to be fully human and fully divine, that that Christ consciousness unfolding and evolving in humanity. Yeah. And so what I do is instead of taking away people's embedded theology, I kind of like add to it. So okay. like Wayshower, as we define it, means Savior, Christ, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, God of Gods. You know, okay. so when people would say, well, Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, I would probably say Jesus is more than just your Lord and Savior. That that's not the only way to look at Jesus. That's not the only way that people know God in various dimensions. And so that's a dimension. That's a way that people are introduced to Jesus is as Savior, Christ, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, God of Gods. But we know God in various dimensions as our consciousness expands. So to try to take away Lord and Savior for somebody that's been saying, Jesus, my Lord and Savior for 20 years, you don't get a lot of resistance with that. But to say that Jesus is more than Lord and Savior, it's like, oh, okay. You know, they're, they're open to that. And then they may decide to let go of that, build on to that, whatever. But at least you have an opening for a conversation where people don't feel like you're snatching, you know, away from them. And what I love what Fillmore does with um, Savior is that Savior is the awakening and the consciousness to the truth of who you are. Yeah. So he, in the, in the uh, revealing word, in the metaphor, he doesn't take away those traditional concepts of salvation, but he redefines them. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. He was- very close to, instead of taking them away, redefining them and letting yeah. people build on that. And expand their definition of that as opposed to say, no, Jesus is not your Lord and Savior. Yeah, you know, it's one of the reasons why we do um, in our first class, as you would know in UFBL, Basic Truth One, we teach the book Alternatives along with New Thought Christian by William Morris. But Alternatives is this is the traditional fundamentalist position, and this is another way of looking at it. And he calls it alternative. Like, okay, if we're going to be metaphysical Christians, how can we look at this a little? And I always don't say deeper. I'll just say differently uh, because because it's a viewpoint. And nor do I want to disrespect our brothers and sisters in 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 that's a fundamentalist of any religion by discounting or devaluing what they believe. Mm -hmm. But saying, okay, this is how we look at it and this is why. And, and, it, and it does give people some level of expansion to be able to say, OK, now let me evaluate why this is being said this way. You know, and I think, you know, um, you know, it, it really makes me think I, I'm going to give an example. We've never had this conversation before. But when I was in the at the time in between 94 and 96, those two years, I was in the teacher counseling training of UFBL. They don't do counselor training anymore. You have to be a minister now. But back then. You, mm-hmm. you train to be a teacher or a counselor at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so as we're going through the program, uh, Dr. Rocco Errico, the Aramaic Bible scholar, came in to CUT to speak. But he had a training with people, with the ministers and teachers that I wasn't a teacher. So I wasn't privy to the information. 
So, of course, you know, I pulled on the heartstrings of the Reverend Dr. Helen Carey to get that material. <laughs> so she gave me the cassette. She's like, don't tell anybody. I'm only telling the story now because she's deceased. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell anybody I gave you this. And in, the, in that tape, as you were talking about, you know, expanding, um, he was teaching a lesson for days, and it was called The Kingdom of the Cross. That was the name of the lesson. And he, I had never heard of it viewed that way. And one of the things that he said in the midst of the talk, and this is obviously 30 years ago or so, where um, he said that, that Jesus taught the kingdom. Yes. That's all he taught. That's all he taught. Completely. He said, anybody that tells you that Jesus taught something other than the kingdom uh, does not know the Gospels. He said, he said, so why did the disciples teach the cross? Yeah. That was the question. So in his, in his scholarship says that, that the cross experience for those early disciples that witnessed the crucifixion and resurrection and et cetera experience and all of the trauma that went along with that, that forced them within their own souls. So they used the, 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 the Jesus's cross experience as their entrance into this expanded awareness that we call the kingdom. It was like, an, it was like, oh my goodness. And I know you're probably going to ask me for this cassette now. <laughs> so I, I mean, I teach something very similar to that yeah. is that Jesus did not preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. What the apostles taught and preached was the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that they were, preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to authenticate who Jesus was, then they could get to teaching what Jesus taught. Oh, but if they weren't able to authenticate of who he was, then what he taught had no value. Mm -hmm. So that's why I believe that they never got really to the gospel of the kingdom because they were just kind of managing the church and this new thing from Judaism and all of that. But I believe the intention was to get to what Jesus was teaching which was the kingdom, but they never got to that because they were dealing with starting this new institution that, you know, what is this and what is it not and all of that. And so I believe that it's important that people realize that everything that Jesus Christ was, I am. I am Savior. I help people wake up to the Christ of who they are. I am Christ. The anointing of God rests on me. I am Lord which means I control myself and I'm responsible for the decisions and the choices I make. I am king or royalty or um, I have a domain for which I'm called to reign. And I am God. Jesus said, you are gods. I am God. I am God manifested in this physical form. And so those are those dimensions of knowing God. Some people stop at Savior Christ and Lord of Lords, and they don't go further. They don't mm -hmm. realize that they have been given dominion and that yeah. they have the domain that they're called to reign in. They don't realize that they are God. They don't get to that. When Jesus said that you are gods, even though uh, David has said it in the Psalms, they started stoning him. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Yes. And so when you start saying that you are God, which, which means that we're partakers of the divine nature, 
that God is in us, we're in God, we are one with God. Um, but that kind of living, it's not just a saying that, but living from that space yes. causes you to be able to manifest so much more in your day-to-day experience because I know who I am. I know that I'm God. Yes, yes. So we need to take a quick break, uh, Bishop okay. Pulley. And then when we come back from the break, I want to talk a little bit about your expansion into Africa and the receptivity to the message and um, and why that message is needed in that particular continent and the country that you're in. So uh, listeners, let me just give this qu- quick commercial. Just want to remind you that I just started a new series titled The Dynamic Laws of Healing, which is based on Catherine Ponder's book, The Dynamic Laws of Healing. I'm going to be teaching, except when I have a, a, a guest, The Principles of Spiritual Healing as Espoused by New Thought Christianity. We're going to go right back to it. If you So get the book. Make sure that you're willing to work with it chapter by chapter, as I said before. If you want supplemental information for this particular new series, go back and listen to my series, Spiritual Healing, the What and the How in the Archives, and uh, Christian Healing in the Archives, which is based upon the Charles Fillmore book, and Open Your Mind and Be Healed, which is based upon Reverend Johnny Coleman's book of the same title. So with that information, make sure you get the Catherine Ponder book and let's work with this stuff, because even if you don't need it right now, you can be a consciousness of wholeness and healing for someone else who does. Because Reverend Coleman used to always tell us uh, at the Christ Universal Temple uh, ministerial meeting that all healing begins in the mind of the practitioner. So you have to see the healing first. You're working with somebody and they have a healing need, then you see God's wholeness in them. And if you can't, you can't be a helping consciousness for them. So let's work on our consciousness because the more people who know this truth, means that more people can demonstrate God's love, peace, joy, health, and abundance. So it works if you work it. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Okay, welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm interviewing Bishop Pulley, and we're talking about the kingdom principles and the kingdom ministry and all of what that means. And uh, I'm excited about that because I'm a Bible geek myself. I love to read not only metaphysical Bible books, and but I also love to read about the historical Jesus because when you do historical Jesus readings, you're actually learning that this is what he taught. Matter of fact, Bishop Pulley, I'm in the midst of teaching for the, uh, not the JCI, that I'm the head of, but the Johnny Coleman Theological Seminary. I'm actually teaching right now Hebrew and Christian scriptures, and I'm mm-hmm. drilling down what I, you know, what Marcus Bohr calls the pre-Easter Jesus and the post-Easter Easter Jesus. 
you know, and what it, you know, priest or Jesus was a historical man who taught a specific thing. Very specific. Okay. Either. The post-Easter Jesus is the Christ of faith. And both are necessary, but you got to know the difference. And Christianity has blended them and intertwined them so much that it's necessary now for us to pull the strings so people can make the distinction so they can know what he taught um, and why that's important. Okay, because you don't walk into the power unless you really know what you really what's within you. Go ahead, please. And one of the greatest things that. You know, showing traditional Christians about Jesus is that Jesus desired to be followed in that worship. Yeah. And I was I was having some issue with some of our music. You know, I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. I don't worship Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not yeah, worshiping and adoring Jesus. Now, spirit, you know, yes, yeah. I will, but I don't, but even in our new thought centers, we got to be careful with our music because it sounds yeah. good and it feels yeah. good, but we're not worshiping Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> we are following yeah. Jesus. And yeah. that's the difference between traditional Christianity for me and new thought. I'm not worshiping Jesus. Right. I'm following Jesus. And then it's easy to show in scripture that when people tried to worship Jesus, Jesus said, hey, hold, stop. Don't yeah. worship me. The words that I speak, they're not mine. They right. came from my father. The works that you see me do, I'm just doing what my father did. The words ain't mine. The works ain't mine. So don't <laughs> worship me. You yes. hear, No, I didn't heal you. Your yeah. faith has yes. made you whole. Yeah. And so these are very biblical concepts. And I'm able by the power of the Holy Spirit to show traditional Christians this stuff that's right here in the Bible that they reading and preaching from and teaching every day and every week that what we're teaching in terms of metaphysics is in scripture. It is biblical. Right. It's not so far-fetched for you to kind of, it's Jesus said, don't worship me. Yes, so why yeah. are you doing that? Yeah, <laughs> no, you know, it's kind of funny. I don't know if, have you seen the Fillmore Study Bible? I haven't, but I'm writing my own. Yeah, so yeah, Fillmore, uh, it's the New Testament. Um, the Fillmore Bible Society's put out a New Testament. And I think, you know, I, I think I, Got all of them for the church that they had to sell in the bookstore. I meant to show it to you when you were here. And it just, in the midst of the busyness of the day, it got past me. Uh, but but that's necessary. Just like with your book with Leviticus, you know, which, and I want to talk about some of the work you've done too, where you've given metaphysical interpretations of traditional texts, because I think it's important work to do. But right now, before we get to that, um, Let's talk a little bit about uh, the work in Africa and why that's important. So how I got to Nigeria, it was it was a prophecy. Like um, I was meeting with a pastor here. I'm currently in the Tampa Bay area, Days Church, Tampa Bay. Uh, we're one church in two locations. Well, don't say two locations. We're one church in, in multiple locations. Yeah. We're in headquarters in uh, St. Petersburg. We have a physical uh, site in Tampa, and then we have satellite locations across the country and throughout the world, so throughout the earth. So um, I wrote a book about, I guess it's been about maybe 20 years. I wrote a book that says, um, love God, love yourself, love everyone. It's just that simple. And so um, a preacher um, 
spoke for me and when I was pastoring in Baltimore, uh, Bishop Humphrey R. Mecca, and I gave him a copy of the book in his gift basket. And he was like, nobody ever taught me or told me that I was supposed to love myself. I was taught to love God and I was taught to love others. But that little piece in there that says, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, nobody never told me that. And so he started telling people, this is the man that taught me to love myself, that self-love is a part of what Jesus said. And so he just went crazy with that. And so he um, brought me there to speak um, at his church, um, which is Word-Based Assembly in Lagos, Nigeria. While I was there, I noticed that people were hungry. Um, and they kept asking us for food as we were leaving the hotel and preaching in different places. And I just felt bad about walking by hungry people and having resources and not helping them. But the protocol, because they don't let you go anywhere by yourself, protocol, they were like, do not give anybody anything. Do not give them a dime. Because once you start giving out money, they're going to swarm to you like, <laughs> like bees. They're going to be all over you like flies and you're not going to be able to meet all the needs. And so I was just in meditation and like, how do I help these people who keep asking me for food? You know, I believe that there's a divine order in the universe and that there's nothing that happens by accident or by chance or by happenstance. Everything that happens in our lives is divinely ordered and orchestrated by God. So these people are asking me for food every single day, every time I go in and out. There's a divine order to this. There's a reason why they're asking me for this. So we organized um, a situation where we fed 50 people. Um, we paid for their lunch. We got in touch with a local vendor and we fed, you know, 50 people. The next year we went, um, our goal was to feed 500. We actually wound up feeding 1,200 people um, because the Naira had gone down. So we were able to get more for our money. And this year, January 2024, we're going back to have a modern day miracle and feed 5,000 people um, like Jesus did. That was always the miracle that always stood out to me, that Jesus fed 5,000, well, we know it was more than five, because it didn't count the women and the children, but it said he fed 5,000 men. And so we're having a modern day miracle and feeding um, 5,000 people in January 2024. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's part of the work. Now, um, you know, part of the New Thought message is a message of abundance and prosperity. Speaking of sometimes people who have that level of need, um, how do you um, present that message when what they see around them sometimes is uh, lacking a consistency with the message that we proclaim? So... One of the things that I learned in going to Nigeria, and this is the truth, I met the most wealthy people that I've ever met physically and put my hands on, multimillionaires that look like me in Nigeria. And I met the most uh, challenged people in that same place. The most elaborate hotel that you ever want to stay in, we just put your hand on. You don't need a key card. Just put your hand and it opens the door. And I've stayed in the worst hotels that I've ever in the same space. So for me, 
if there's extreme poverty there and there's extreme financial prosperity there, that means that both consciousness are there. It's not just poverty, lack, and limitation and scarcity there. There is abundance, increase, abundance, overflow in the same place. You know, I met a guy that has a, a, a version of Walmart. It's called One Source. And he is a multimillionaire in Nigeria. And so it's a consciousness. It's not about where they're physically located. It's not about the government. It's about because people are prospering. I mean, prospering in the same place where there is extreme poverty. So my job is to show them that you can prosper right where you are. All right. It's a consciousness. It's not about anything outside of you. And they can see people who are prospering. Mm-hmm. And they they are attracted to that because I believe that God, the Bible says that God has given us power to get wealth. And like the kingdom we talked about, everybody had a talent. And I believe that everybody has a niche. Everybody has a gift, a talent, a skill, a ability, a sensitivity that can bring them wealth. But we got to know that and believe that and utilize what God has given us, the talent, which was the money during that time, to bring forth that wealth that's already inside of us. So that's what I that's what I do in Nigeria. Okay. I have a couple more questions before we wrap up, maybe two, but I want to give people an opportunity to be able to get in contact with you. Do you have a website that people can go to so they can get in contact with your church that is in, excuse me, in my microphone, many places on the earth? Uh, How do they get in contact with Bishop Pulley? DrPulley.com, doctor written all the way out, D-O-C-T-O-R, Pulley, P-U-L-L-E-Y.com. Today's church, Tampa Bay. Um, we're on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok, you know, whatever platform, Clubhouse, whatever platform that they're on, you put in Dr. Pulley, Days Church, they will certainly uh, find us. All right. Are you teaching any type of online course right now that people can join you to learn more about, um, you know, your teachings and Yes, I'm teaching currently, um, I'm teaching Kingdomology 2, which is um, showing how the the metaphysics, this people that's not so Christian or biblical based, how it still comes from the Bible with crystals and numerology and astrology and how all this stuff is biblically based. So that's the class I'm currently teaching Kingdomology 2. Uh, which shows people how to integrate from scripture these other aspects of metaphysics that may not seem so biblical. Okay. All right. Beautiful, beautiful. So just to, um, you know, just kind of wrap up, you know, just have uh, two more questions. Uh, One, uh, where does the kingdom ministry go from here? Awesome. Love that. And I think it's, it's going where it's beginning to go with Nigeria to different cultures, to different continents, that this kingdom message, to me, if it can't be preached anywhere, it's not the gospel. If it only can be preached in America, you know, people have taken the American dream and tried to make it the gospel. But the gospel, these principles can work for anybody, anywhere. So it's expanding it. You know, we're expanding to 
um, Nigeria, um, South Africa, other countries where people are hearing this this message and taking it there, establishing um, local assemblies, ministries, and businesses in these various places beyond just the United States. Um, and because of technology, because of the blessing of COVID, people are more open and have a, a greater awareness of how they can get things uh, virtually, even though they may not be physically present in various spaces. So it's the Kingdom Study Bible that we are establishing. Uh, we've got the first five books of the school. I guess we started in the opposite of Unity. Unity started with the New Testament. We started with the Old Testament, which is a much yeah. harder work to start with. <laughs> so we got five yeah. out there. Um, and the Kingdom Study Bible, the Kingdom Perfection, the Kingdom um, uh, Practices, the Kingdom Principles, the Kingdom Promises, and the Kingdom uh, Balance are all in the commentary of that scripture. And I gave you all a copy of that. So it's looking at the scripture from through the lens of kingdom. Uh, so it's the Kingdom Study Bible. Uh, we have a goal and intention for Kingdom Television 24-7, 365, where all of our local assemblies and ministries are doing programming in different social media ways to eventually be able to pull it together as a 24-7, 365 uh, Kingdom Television. So those are some big visions that we have, along with the feeding of the 5,000. As I told you, and that's only going to grow and expand because I believe we fed about 20,000 with the women and the children. So we're starting with feeding them and it's feeding them naturally and spiritually because that's what Jesus did. He didn't just give them physical food. Social service can do that. But he gave them something because in, in, in when, I, when I first introduced to, um, to New Thought in, in this way, it was like, well, we don't give people fish. We teach them how to fish. Well, I think it's a both and as opposed mm -hmm. to either or. If you give me some fish, <laughs> I'd be open to hear <laughs> how yeah. I can learn how to fish. But if I'm hungry, you can be trying to teach me to fish all day and I can't hear you with my stomach growling. Yeah. So it's a both and. I'm going to yeah. give you some fish and I'm going to teach you how to fish. It's yeah. a both uh, and versus an either or. Yeah, either um, I've had many discussions with uh, some of my peers in New Thought and in uh, UFBL because I think that sometimes that's misunderstood. What I mean by that is, like in our statement, we say we say the primary, our primary, primary does not mean only. Our mm -hmm. primary job is to teach. It doesn't mean that's the only thing we do. And exactly. I think as a ministry, you know, I can remember, I don't know if you have how well you knew, um, you know, she's retired now, uh, Reverend Emma Luster Lasseter, who's one of my Absolutely. spiritual mothers. She's one of my teachers in seminary. Yeah, and she would say to me often when I was, you know, in my young 20s, that you know, sometimes a person's not gonna hear you if this if that's if they're hungry. And that was her way of letting us know her students, you have to be mindful that there's sometimes physical needs that need to be addressed before people can hear you. And um I and 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 I think that's why when people read primary, they substitute in their mind the word only. And that's not what it means. Okay, I recognize that new thought. And, you know, churches and centers and ministries have a primary responsibility to teach this message, these divine universal laws and principles. That does not mean that's the only thing you can do. Exactly. Prime, you know, you know, you can be primarily, you know, 
uh, you know, it's like it's like being, you know, it's like being, a, uh, uh, you know, a man can, you know, could be a mini or a woman can wear a mini hat. You know, I wear a husband hat. I wear a father hat. I wear a minister hat. I wear a friend hat. I wear a sibling hat. I wear a son hat. It's, you know, and sometimes what's primary is what's in front of me right now for me to do. Yes. <laughs> so. I, th- I think that that's a very clear distinction that we have to be mindful that primary does not mean only. And even mm-hmm. though Jesus's primary job was to preach the kingdom, he, that did not mean he walked past people who had need. Exactly. Um, and we go from there. The uh, the last question that I would I have for you then is, um, where does new thought go from here? I, I really feel like, and I'm going to say Bible based new thought because that's where I've done most of my study and most of my um, work has been on Bible. But, and if you take the Bible out of it, then I'm not introduced. I'm not interested in new thought. You take Jesus and Holy spirit and Bible out of it. And I'm not, you lose me. I'm not interested. Um, But I am totally attracted to Bible based new thought. And I believe that my spiritual teacher, the Reverend Dr. Mary Tompkin was on to something because she was the one that really pushed me to establish this bridge and to, I think that Bible-based new thought needs to reach back and get those traditional Christians and teach, they already got a foundation to reach back and get where we came from. I came from the apostolic holiness church, like your grandma, that's where I came from. Mm -hmm. So now that I'm new thought, you know, metaphysical, so I just toss them aside and but I have a burden for those people because I was one of them people. I'm one of those people. I'm one with them. So I believe that for us to look at what brought us to where we are and to reach back and to share with those audiences how this has worked for us and the difference that it has made in our lives. One of the things that Reverend Mary did that really had me hook, line, and sink is she took me to the scripture. And Galatians, where um, it was talking about Hagar and Sarah, the bondwoman and the free woman. I think it's Galatians um, 4, if I'm not mistaken. And he said, Paul said, and these things are an allegory. I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't even know the word allegory was in the Bible. But if you can take a traditional Christian and show them that Paul, interpreted a literal text from Genesis and gave it allegorical meaning and taught it from, he said, this is not about these two women. This is about being free and being bound. And he said in the scripture, in the King James version, that this is an allegory. So if Paul had permission to look at scripture allegorically, then it gave me permission to look at scripture allegorically. And it opens up other traditional Christians who are hungry, who have tapped out with the traditional and are looking, dying in the traditional church. Because it's like, oh, my God, this can't be all that there is to really bring them into this. And he said, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. We must bring them in one shepherd, one fold. And so I believe we have a lot of sheep that are out there scattered. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that's where we go and grow is by bringing those people in. 
Um, I, I would totally agree. Matter of fact, um, those prayer meetings I told you about, and I was picking up the ladies off my grandmother's living room floor. Um, when my grandmother started to brag about me, that's the part I didn't tell you. So she would ask me to come in and teach at her, you know, once I, you know, was in New Thought for a while, teach at her Friday night Bible study. So I was teaching these ladies, you know, who were my grandmother's age about how to interpret the Bible, how to get practical application. I wasn't calling it metaphysics, but showing them how they could apply it. And what was interesting about it, and this is honest to God truth, my grandmother was 87 years old and said to me, uh, I'm going to take a class at your church. So I had to leave work, you know, I would, you know, leave work, pick up my grandmother. I put her on a class night that I was teaching a class. And between ages 87 before her 88th birthday, this lifelong sanctified Christian wanted to understand new thoughts. She made her transition at 89 before she made 90. So Two years before she even made her transition, her soul required her to, mm-hmm. to look at something. So I hooked her up with the Reverend Evelyn Boyd, who was, uh, you know, one of my strong spiritual mothers. And she's like, I'm going to take care of your grandmother. Don't worry about it. And I love that uh, because I do believe that they're hungry for it. And I saw it with my own eyes that someone who read the Bible every day, all day, who didn't watch put her soap operas down, didn't watch movies, didn't listen to R&B, blues, or whatever music. I mean, she was completely, completely old school sanctified. But she said, there's something to what my grandson is learning, and I want to know what it is. And I think that that's the beauty of it, and I think that's what you're doing now for people. So I want to thank you, because I know that world. I know that world. And and, uh, so many people who walk into churches now and even New Thought don't necessarily know that world. That's a psychology in and of itself. And if you don't understand the psychology, you don't know how to talk to them. And it's important for us to have people who understand that talk, that understands that walk, and can say, this isn't something so different than what you think it is. It's just an expansion of your understanding of what you already know. And then allow the spirit within to do the the guidance. So I'm going to wrap up. Uh, You know, again, I want to respect your time, but I do want to just thank you again. Uh, Listeners, I would say, you know, check Bishop Pulley out. He gave you the information on how to get in contact with him and what he's up to and about. Uh, if there's anybody in Nigeria that's listening to this podcast, because I know I have several people who listen to this on the continent of Africa and different countries, uh, he's already there. So catch, connect with him. I'm sure it's ways in which that can be done. So again, Bishop Pulley, thank you. Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, this has absolutely been an absolute pleasure, and we got to do it again. We can have a subject to talk about. You know, maybe we'll, you know, parables of Jesus or something. I don't know. Yeah. I love I love to talk anything Jesus. I actually, Bishop Pulley, before we go, I've been contemplating for years and it's never done it. Doing a series on this podcast specifically about the parables of Jesus. Mm. Um, and I just ha- have never done it because I, you know, I'm so I'm expansive. Rich. I'm so expansive when it comes to Jesus's teachings that I'm like, you know. So, you know, if I can find some people that'll help me, like partners that help me do through the process, it'll at least keep my brain constricted to to a certain amount of time frame. Like, brother, we can't talk five hours about the prodigal son. <laughs> you know, because my mind just goes with it because um, I'm a big believer. And as I wrap up, because I know we got to wrap up, 
that uh, the parables of Jesus are not necessarily well understood. And I think that they're the gems of his teaching. Yeah. And and uh, they're not focused on enough. And I don't care if it's New Thought or any other brand of Christianity. The parables are the key. If you can get we call them the keys to the kingdom, the keys to the kingdom. Uh, uh, Dr. George Lamza, who taught Dr. Rocco Erico, he called the called the Sermon on the Mount, for instance, the Constitution of the Kingdom of God. But if uh, <laughs> but when you start dealing with the parables, I've I've been doing a deep dive on parables for probably twenty plus years, and it's something I I got to get up and get out. So you might be able to help me with that process. But anyway, yeah, I thank, thank you, brother. And uh, listeners, I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. We're going to pick back up on uh, Dynamic Laws of Healing by Catherine Ponder. God bless you. Thank you all. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.